Get ahead of the postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Um, is this episode just too many games on loop? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's just bumpers of chugga-chugga and too many chugga-chugga, too many chugga-chugga, many games, choo-choo. Yeah, pretty much. <clears throat> All right, here we go. Chugga, 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 chugga. That E3 hype train is chugging along. Welcome to DLC. It's it's E3 week. We're kicking things off. We're gonna have uh, this is this is one of several special episodes for E3. We're gonna do an episode tonight after the first few press conferences. We're gonna do an episode tomorrow night after more press conferences, and then we're gonna do our big wrap up episode next Monday. Christian Spicer is joining me. Hello, Christian. Hello, Jeff. Hello, everybody. Um, it's here. We did it. It kind of lulled, it, lulled into the station, but boy, is it here. Yeah, it's a weird year for E3, but things are happening. We have, we're going to talk about all of the press conferences that have happened so far. So that includes Google. Google making their presence known at E3 for the first time uh, a little early. And more uh, to come it, from them, apparently. Evidently, yes. So, so we will probably be talking more about Google. But they they gave Stadia details in a big press conference that wasn't officially part of E3, but it sort of kicked things off last Thursday. And then we had EA, which is not actually participating in E3 <laughs> either. But it's and, E3 week, so Google. Uh, okay, that's early. Yeah. And then e, well, they're not kind of either. But Microsoft, nah, they're not. Yeah, they also didn't officially have a press conference EA. They sort of yeah. had this weird hybrid live stream thing in lieu of a press conference, but it kind of felt like a briefing. And then Microsoft have, had theirs. And like you said, it's also not officially part of E3. It's their own sort of thing. But they called the press briefing and then Bethesda. So those are the conferences we're going to talk about. Well, it's they just, also said like at E3, like welcome to Microsoft at E3, hashtag across the street from E3. Yeah. <laughs> welcome to Microsoft near E3. <laughs> uh, yeah, it is. Uh, it's a strange thing that's happening to E3, but it's still the biggest week uh, in the video game calendar. It is. It is our yearly celebration of games where we find out more about what's going to happen than we have all year. So let's get right into it. We have a lot to cover and let's start Christian with Google because Google is the newcomer. Stadia finally got some details announced and we got some questions answered and some questions that still remain. But the big news is that Stadia is coming for some people this year <laughs> in the fall uh, and for you and me in the fall. Yeah. Cause we, we jumped in. <laughs> we'll get to that. Uh, it is going to support uh, a bunch of games, both games that are already out and available on other platforms and evidently some new games. And some of those were shown uh, Baldur's gate, for example, three uh, is a big upcoming game from Larian studios that debuted at the conference that Google was putting on. Uh, but really, the the spotlight wasn't on the games. The spotlight was on this new way to play them and the ways that you will be able to get Google Stadia. So 
There is evidently a free version of Google Stadia that will allow you to buy games a la carte, evidently, although we don't know if the pricing is the same as games that when you go into a store or games on Steam, or we don't know official pricing for that kind of a la carte model. But there is also a $9.99 per month subscription that is called Stadia Pro uh, that will allow you to play games in 4K, which is the only way evidently that you get the 4K stream. You also have to meet the minimum requirements for bandwidth to do that. And one assumes that you have to, you may get dips in that. Uh, we don't know yet exactly. But uh, the $9.99 Google Stadia Pro membership, in addition to giving you 4K streaming, also will give you a selection of games and quote, exclusive discounts. We don't know what that means, but it sure sounds a lot like Xbox Game Pass. Then there is also the... Uh, to me, that sounds more like PlayStation Plus or Xbox Gold, personally. Well, we don't know, right? We don't know how many games that is. If it's if it's a, a whole bunch of games like Game Pass right. offers you for free or for included in the subscription pass, or if it is... It, they they kind of mentioned a rotating selection, but right. that's what Game Pass technically is, too, a rotating Correct. selection. The selection is just 100. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. So... Uh, yeah, so lots of questions there still. And then there's the Stadia Founders Edition, which you and I, like Pavlovian dogs, purchased. Uh, no, as soon I'm, as it was I am a founder of Stadia. Like, uh, yeah. you know, I, without me, it wouldn't exist. You know, well, you and we, we, that we chiseled our names on bricks. If you go to Google HQ, you'll see us. <laughs> it's not so much a brick as it is a, a color of controller that's not available for everybody. <laughs> that will <Right>. only be <laughs> available to us. Uh, so the Founders Edition is $129. It gets you a Chrome, Chromecast Ultra, one of the fancy Stadia controllers. <clears throat> as I said, uh, a special color that will not be available after the Founders Edition stops being sold. And then three months of that $9.99 Stadia Pro subscription and, quote, a few other perks. So there's that. The Stadia controllers are $70 a piece. So if you want to play with friends, the controller is $70. But it does some things that other controllers don't, like talk directly to the Internet instead of actually talking to a console. Uh, and You also don't need that controller right to use the system so i'm not sure I'd, I'd imagine that you could have a friend on an xbox controller and you on a stadia controller i don't think it would matter um, I, I, I think that's think, correct yeah um so yeah that's not part of it and then you also get a three months to give to a friend that's true yeah i didn't i didn't mention that it, it's kind of cool that if you buy your uh, founders edition you get to hook somebody else on the service i think that's the idea uh with that uh, with the friend pass so it's cool so really only one of us needed to do it um, well, but... I'm hoping I can just stack that three months for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my friend is is me. Okay. Uh, uh, hello, wife. You now have three months that starts after my three months. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if your game states will carry over to your wife's account, but that remains to be seen. Well, um, we share an email address. So it's all basically her email is also christian.spicer at gmail.com. And, <laughs> and it's uh, definitely not also me. Uh, this is a separate person. Um, I've never seen you and your wife in the same place at the same time, Christian. What is that? Let me show uh, you this Instagram picture of us. It's uh... <laughs> So the, I think you're kind of touching on what is my major issue with this entire thing, uh, judging the presentation that they made, not the product itself. But the idea of Stadia and what's so cool about it is you basically already have everything you need to enjoy Stadia. 
And I don't think that messaging was particularly clear. They outlined all these other things that they're happy to sell you, like a founder's edition for 129 bucks or this, you know, this uh, subscription for 10 bucks. But the whole point, the, the reason Stadia, I think, is so interesting is because you already have everything. You, you likely have a controller. You likely have a computer that connects to the internet via Chromecast or via Google Chrome. And you theoretically can just, <clears throat> excuse me, theoretically can just buy a game and stream it. And that's what's so magical about this technology is that it eliminates the barrier of entry. It doesn't, you don't have to buy a new 400, 500, 200 dollar console. Look at prices. What? What about a hundred dollar console? Uh, are there hundred dollar consoles? <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> uh, the idea being that they seem to outline all these ways to buy, and I feel like the messaging that is so magical about this, which is you don't have to buy anything, you probably yes. already got it, is was lost. Yes, I, we talked about this a little bit right after the fact in person, and I feel like the conference, in my opinion, would have been much stronger if they came out and they were like. Uh, I don't know if they needed a date, but I'm just going to make something up. But like early 2020, everybody is going to be able to play video games anywhere. No console needed because Stadia launches in early 2020 uh, for free. You will be able to play with your Xbox controller, your PlayStation controller, any of these controllers. Uh, We lowered the internet requirements. It only needs to be 10 megabytes per second. It's going to be free. You go in, you buy the games you want, you play them anywhere. It is going to be incredible. And for people that are so excited, they want to be the first to try it. We are rolling out Stadia in you know, early access. And for $129, you can get our controller, the best way to play on Stadia, and a Chromecast Ultra. So you can play Stadia on your big screen TV. And then they can do all that other stuff, right? Yeah. And that starts you know, uh, November of this year, be one of the first to try it. But Stadia launches 2020 yeah. and we are changing the way you game forever that Done. would have been so much better it would have it would have really driven home the idea of what stadia is and then said yeah. hey we're willing to give you all this stuff on top of that if you want to pay for it, if you want to pay for early access if you want to pay for a rotating selection of games if you want to pay for a chromecast or a yeah chromecast and a controller we'll sell you that stuff but that's not what this is i think right the, i think the way you described would have been a a much more impactful, much more interesting way to present this technology. And it's a shame that they didn't do it that way. But yeah, I think like with the sizzle too of the things, because I, I think a lot of the best parts about Stadia they talked about at their first conference or they didn't give a price and they kind of didn't re-mention here. And I think a sizzle of that like pick up and playability of a friend, like I I hop online and I see that you're playing um I don't know what's a multiplayer game coming out. Uh, you're playing uh, Wolfenstein Youngblood, and I'm like, oh, man, that looks awesome. Uh, I'm going to jump in and play with Jeff. Click playing with Jeff. Right. <laughs> you know, like yeah. that's the power of this system or of, of this technology. And that have them not talk about that again, even like in a cool, hip trailer sizzle kind of way, I think was um, a, a real missed opportunity when they had the eyes of the gaming world on them again. Yeah. I agree. And there's some cool stuff that they mentioned. I mean, they showed a lot of games that are quite good. They're giving you Destiny 2 included in Stadia Pro with character transfers, uh, which is pretty neat. Um, they showed some new games. They didn't really show their big, flashy first-party stuff, which we know that they have in the chamber. That may be coming later this week. We don't know. 
But uh, it seems like the library of games will be pretty substantial by the time this thing rolls out end of the year or early next year. Um, and you already mentioned repeatedly that you and I jumped in and bought this Founders Edition. I think for 129 bucks, I'm excited to see how it all works. I'm excited for the controller. I think it's a neat thing that the controller talks to the internet itself, and I don't have to you know, worry about uh, which device I'm using the controller with, it, it, with, if it'll work with that device, because it doesn't matter, right? That just talks to the internet itself. Uh, and I'm excited about, I'm excited about the subscription service. I hope that it is a, is a really great value. So I didn't have a problem jumping in on the founders thing and playing a little early, but I also feel like what's exciting is that you don't have to do that. Um, clearly you and I both jumped in. So we both are excited for this. I know this is your jam. You've been talking about the Netflix for video games for years now. Give me your take on Stadia and why you became a founder. Yeah, I'm super excited about it still. Um, Excuse me. I think um, part of it is I became a founder because the same reason you bought Labo VR. You know, like I I do think this is the future of it and I want to, I'm fortunate enough to be able to afford it. And I'm fortunate. I hope that this doesn't turn out like Labo VR for you. (laughs) (laughs) Touche. I'm fortunate enough to have uh, someone in chat ask what my internet is. I think I'm like up to 100 down, 35 up, uh, which means usually 30 down, 10 up. (laughs) The way internet works. Um, But I'm fortunate enough to have an internet that that works well and supports it here and both, um, you know, other places uh, where I spend my time during the day. Um, uh, And so... I, I want to be in on that ground floor to experience it. And I think the biggest concern a lot of people have is this idea of ownership of what, Oh, and I'm also fortunate enough not to have a data cap. I think that's another huge sticking point for some people. They talked about how much data it'd take to, you know, stream a game for however many hours is like two terabytes or whatever. Like that's going to affect a lot of people. And unless Google can lobby internet providers, or I don't know what the deals they work out to, ultimately screw us consumers and help them <laughs> themselves nice. but um for me the ownership issue isn't as big of a deal as i think some people are making it out to be because so many of the games i enjoy already live in that world even if i have a disc um a recent example would be the multiplayer for naughty dog games on playstation 3 or even a more recent example would be the division 2 like i have that on a disc but there's nothing stopping uh ubisoft from turning off those servers and me having it on a disc i will in no way be able to play it you know what i have on a disc huh destiny one yeah (laughs) you know what i mean (laughs) yeah and so like to me i think where i'm first going to play stadia games or buy license (laughs) stadia games is going to be those style of games like i'm not i don't think i'll be quick to spend $60 $60 on the next big single player experience to have on Stadia, but Destiny, Division, Ghost Recon, not to Wildlands 2, whatever the operation, the new Ghost Recon Wildlands game, like those types of games for me are the perfect fit on Stadia. And I don't feel like I'm losing any air quote ownership. So that's why I took the plot. Oh, and the controller. I think, you know, I saw the value in it. Um, I'd want a Chromecast Ultra to play it on my TV, and I, I want to try this controller. Um, I think you took the plunge um, like 20 minutes after I did without us talking about it beforehand. Yeah. Like, what what was your put you over the edge? 
Yeah, I I think it was low enough cost. I mean, one hundred twenty nine dollars is nothing to sneeze at, but it it is low enough that it felt like an impulse buy that I could do. A Chromecast Ultra is a valuable thing just in and of itself. I'm like, I don't have one of those. I use a Roku. Maybe Chromecast is better. So you know, I talked to myself into this thing with the you know three months of Stadia Pro with the, give something to a friend, all that stuff. It just felt like very little risk for seeing it a little early and. I think this could be really cool. You know, I, I also have a very uh, non-data capped, good internet connection. So I'm fortunate that way. And, um, you know, I wanted to try the controller and I wanted to, I wanted to have the experience. I, I'm not, I, I don't think I'm going to prefer streaming games if I can render them locally, but I want to find out. I want to find out if it's, you know, if it's not noticeable, I certainly have changed over to that for movies so if we get to that world, so be it. You know, I definitely am a fan of owning fewer things. I know, I know that sounds anti-consumer to people, but I, I don't mind the fact that I don't have a shelf full of DVDs anymore like I used to, you know? Yeah. My dad growing up had cases and cases and cases of VHS movies. And it was awesome yeah. to go scrolling through or scrolling, <laughs> go perusing his his cases of VHS movies to find out something to watch, but also it took up a huge amount of space and it was cumbersome and lame. And I, I don't need that. If, if stuff is not on Netflix anymore, there's something else to watch. If there's not a game on, I just, I'm just not tied to games in the same way other people maybe are. And I, I totally get that. I respect it. I, I understand if you pay $60, you may want to play something seven, 10 years from now that I'm sitting next to it. Tupperware thing full of said things. Right. Yeah. I just, I just tend not to be that guy. Uh, I, yeah. I tend to revisit things when someone remakes them, you know, and then and Resident Evil 2. Yeah. I mean, I probably have it in a drawer somewhere, a you know, box somewhere, but I'm not going to pull it back out. I'm just not. So it, that's a very personal me thing. And I understand how people can get up in arms about us losing ownership, but I, I just, I just can't seem to get upset about it. For me, and we can talk about this later when we get to Microsoft and XCloud as well, or Game Pass Ultimate, or whatever, you know, wherever this goes, so we don't need to have the full conversation now. But my fear with this kind of stuff of um, Stadia Pro and these subscriptions where you have all the games all the time is I'm curious over the next several years how games change. Right now, there are a lot of still these meaty, what we would consider traditional AAA games coming to these services. But I'm also curious because I, I think personally, and now projecting my feelings onto um, gaming masses as a whole, like when I have so many things to play always that if I get some point where I'm frustrated or, or stuck in one game, I'll be like, well, well, I don't I don't know if I like uh, banana boats that much anyway. I'm going to go play Hill Racers, you know, because I'll, right. I'll bounce off the game quicker. Whereas if I spent $60 on a game... And I'm stuck for a little while. It's like, you know, no, Sekiro, I'm going to beat this boss. Right. And I feel like the same way, you know, my wife and I, we really liked um, Glow, really liked Glow. And we never finished season two because something else caught our attention. And now we're like, I don't know. Glow's like, it's like two years old. Do we <laughs> right. go finish Glow? Yeah. It's, there's always it, something it's totally, else. Yeah. Yeah. There's always something else. So I'm curious to see how game shift and... I'm curious to see um, 
you know, how, how much money these services make, because while making TV shows and movies is expensive, you know, making games and stuff also is very expensive. So I'm curious to what level they add monetization on top of it. I already think it's interesting that with Game Pass for one of my favorite games of all time, uh, especially this gen, Forza Horizon 4, the expansions you have to buy, even if you ha- if you have the game on Game Pass. So it's like this weird world where I own an expansion for a game I'm only renting. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so I'm curious how much more of that we see or if games, you know, it's a Game Pass game that's Fortnite. Like right. that, those are all my questions more so than I feel like the questions I'm hearing most people ask. I think you're gonna, you're right that there's going to be a lot of in-game monetization because of that, where it's <clears throat> every game is basically free to play because you're paying for a subscription service. And that'll be interesting to see how that plays. I mean, we're already seeing some of that, and I think it's going to get more rampant when studios find new ways to monetize inside the game. But <clears throat> uh, And that's a little scary, I admit. But also, I think there's a silver lining to the other thing you're talking about because... I, I know that when I was a kid and when we were kids growing up, one of the big bullet points was there's, this game is 70 hours. This game's a hundred hours. It's like, Oh, the reason you're telling me that is because I'm getting value for my money. You want, you want Uh me to be, to be confident that if I pluck down my 70, $60, whatever it is, I'm going to have a lot to do. It's going to be worth my money to do it. And I think the value proposition will be different if I'm already paying a subscription fee. And we may see something analogous to what's happened with TV seasons on Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime, where a TV season used to be 24 episodes, right? And now you're seeing TV seasons that are 10 episodes or six episodes or eight episodes. And it's because they don't have to stretch to provide value. They don't have to monet. They're not monetizing in the same way. They're not creating a whole run of things to put ads on. They're just adding content to a subscription service. And so they're able to yeah. concentrate that quality into, into fewer things and not have to worry about plotting along. And I think video games may actually benefit from that, right? I mean, if I'm paying a, a subscription service, I'd rather play, you know, four or five, four to eight hour experiences than one padded 60 hour experience just because the developers wanted to give you value for your $60. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I may be in the minority on that opinion too, but I think that may actually end up being a really cool benefit that like you have these really cool experiences that don't feel like they have to be, they have to outstay their welcome. You know, they can just be concentrated and potent and fun. Yeah, I, I fingers crossed. I'm I'm always a little uh, skeptical of when new ways to play games come out. The new ways to monetize on top of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, let's move on to um, E3 proper. Actually, let's just let's thank our sponsor before we go on. It's Squarespace. Squarespace is here to. Whoa! I know. I like that remix version. You like that? A little stank at the end of Thanks, it, bud. Uh, Squarespace is an awesome sponsor. They have been with us since the very beginning of DLC. Even before that, they, they sponsored my shows, man, for a decade. And I use Squarespace. JeffCanada.com was built on Squarespace, housed on Squarespace. And I highly recommend Squarespace. If you have any need to make a website, and let's face it, we all do. <laughs> there's no, there's no thing you can do in this world now where a website, an online presence 
doesn't help. Whether it's you're turning a cool idea into a website or showcasing some work that you've done or blogging or publishing content, even selling products or services. If you have a business of your own, you got to have a website. Maybe just to even announce an upcoming event or special project, build a website easily, quickly. You don't have to pay anybody else to do it. You can do it yourself. If you're ready to start, the tools are there at squarespace.com to check it out. You start with a beautiful template created by world-class designers, and then you just drag and drop. You just make it your own. Everything's optimized for mobile right out of the box. You don't have to worry about that. You can uh, grow your site in real time based on their analytics that are all included. They have a built-in search engine optimization as well, free and secure hosting, and you never have to patch or upgrade anything ever. Uh, it's all handled for you in the background. If you ever run into any problems, they have award-winning 24-7 customer support. That's great. Make it yourself. Don't worry about paying someone. Just make it. It's so easy. In fact, you can get started uh, on Squarespace now without even giving them your credit card. They won't auto-charge you. You just go there. You go to uh, squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me. You start your free trial. And then when you're ready to launch, use promo code Jeff sent me, J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E, all one word. You save yourself 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. That's squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me and the promo code Jeff sent me for 10% off. Uh, we love Squarespace and uh, hope you check them out. Hope you use them to make your websites. All right, Christian, moving on. The next big uh, non-press conference press conference was from EA, who does their now annual EA play event here in Hollywood, California, which is actually not anywhere near the LA Convention Center where E3 takes place and very It's like, yes, near it if you're not from LA, like geographically, yes, probably four miles, but also very far away. Yeah, uh, inconvenient <laughs> and annoying for all involved. But uh, cool that they're doing it, cool that it's open to the public. Usually they have a big presentation. This year, not so much. They had a, a streamed event that were hosted by a bunch of people, including friend of the show, Greg Miller, who just crushed it. Uh, so good. Yeah, he's just, awesome. That whole team did a fantastic job. Yeah, and I think he jumped in right at the last minute because I think Andrea Renee was going to do it. Um, and she she came down with, with um, some health issues. Um, so uh, if that's the case, even more, I'm impressed that he just jumped in at the last minute. And love and hugs to Andrea. I know Indeed. we both talked to her and sent those too, yeah. but publicly, yes, as well. I hear she's, she's doing good. Um, so... Let's start off with what they started off with, which was Star Wars Jedi The Fallen Order, which you and I both are very much anticipating. And uh, I've already said I think will likely be my game of the year, or at least I don't likely. I haven't prejudged anything, but it seems like a game that I will love that much. So I'm hoping it is great. Uh, They showed 15 minutes of uncut gameplay. Christian Spicer, what do you think of Jedi The Fallen Order? So I, I'm combining with what they showed on stream and the Game Informer's, in my opinion, excellent cover story about the game. Um, what they showed on stream seemed a little linear. Uh, reading about it on Game Informer, where they talk about they uh, they talked about it a little bit more uh, Vince when they were on stage, but kind of a, a Metroidvania approach to exploration and um, you know a kind of a from software light style combat system. And it's like that, plus what I saw on screen, which looked a lot like an Uncharted game. Um, the gameplay looks right up my alley. I think it looked awesome. The force moves looked really cool. The bringing a stormtrooper in front of a blaster shot, throwing your lightsaber a la Kratos or 
I guess Darth Vader. Um, all of those moves, the droid looked adorable. Um, and I know it's canon, but I mean, the, my biggest disappointment about the game is just the protagonist seems very boring and very safe. And even if it's a story standpoint, like, well, this is Han's lost son. I'd still be like, I don't care. Um, so gameplay, I think it's a great chance. It's going to be my game of the year story. I feel like it's, I, I, I wish they maybe did something different, not knowing the full run of the story, obviously. Yeah. I, I think it's hard for me to think about this presentation in isolation. Now that I've seen more of this at the Microsoft press conference today, where they showed bits that were even more exciting uh, in, in a yeah. trailer, you know, this sort of swamp at, at scene that just made me go crazy. But um, <clears throat> I liked what I saw. I mean, I know a lot of people felt that it was um, a little bland and linear and you were seeing a lot of corridors and stuff. But I think they were really trying to focus on the combat and how the combat works in this game. And I think that combat looks incredible. And actually, Christian, I had an epiphany watching this game okay. because you and I on this show – have talked many times about the same thing in different ways. And that is what kinds of games do we like and what do we look mm -hmm. for? What gets us excited about games? And we get emails about that. We get quick questions about it. We've talked, we've talked around it just sort of casually. And I've always struggled. I, my go-to, and I think people who listen to the show have heard me say this over and over is that I like worlds that were crafted by artists, right? That are, that have, that there's a stuff waiting for me around nooks and crannies and, you know, things to discover. Uh, and, and that still holds true, but I, I, I had an epiphany watching this trailer because I know it made me think of you talking about how much you love story and narrative in games and how much the naughty dog games in particular tend to be your favorites because story is so well expressed and uh, so strong. Um, I think that's what pushed push Celeste over the edge for me as well, was like that really well-told story. Yeah. And when I hear you say that, I go, oh, yeah, yeah, me too, me too. But the epiphany that I had is that I don't think that's true for me. I don't hmm. think – here's how I'm going to try to explain this. I like playing an Uncharted game or a Last of Us game or any story, Horizon Zero Dawn, the types of games that you and I – our little Venn diagram overlaps most on are these third person action narrative games. And I love yeah. them. I do. But what I realized is that as I'm playing those games, yes, I'm listening to the story. Yes. I'm, I'm interested in the story. I'm invested in the story, but I don't think that's really what I'm coming to the game for or, and taking most out of the game for. I think that the reason I like, narrative in games is because where that narrative takes me like for example the way, i don't know if i'm being clear on this but i'll try to clarify it this way in saying that i'm not i don't gain the most pleasure over nate and sully's relationship or what nate has done in uncharted or you know, a cool character moment. I enjoy those things as they're happening. I enjoy the performances. I enjoy the dialogue. If it's well-written, I like that story bit. But what really gets me excited about those games is what that story means I get to do. What that story means, the places that story means I get to go. That's what I get excited about. And that's why when I watched 
Jedi, the fallen order. And everybody's like, I don't know about the story. I kind of go, I don't care about the story. If playing this game lets me go to cool star Wars places and do cool things in those star Wars places. Like when I'm playing Hmm. an uncharted game, I care less or I'm just, I just take away less about the relationship that Nate and his brother have and how that's expressed and what, where, what the story means for them and more about that amazing chase sequence that I got to do where I was in a Jeep, then I was on a motorcycle, then I was pulling pulled behind a boat. Like what I got to do and what I got to experience and the choices that I got to make in those is what I come to video games for. And I think that might also explain why I'm more willing to watch a video game cutscene, excuse me, a trailer than I am a movie trailer. Because I don't think I'm at the place yet in video games where I'm actually curious about where the characters are going. I'm just curious about where I get to go in playing the game. Does that make sense? Hmm. It does make sense. Yeah, I am definitely not, uh, I, I do not share that page with you. I think for me, what makes those set pieces and those big moments and the places I get to go cool and exciting is because of the relationships I have with the people. Like I think using Uncharted 4 as an example, when you're being dragged behind a Jeep, like all of that is exciting because I know what's at stake for Nate and Sully and the team and Sam, and I know what they're trying to do. And if it was just, I'm trying to picture a game that's like that level from Uncharted 4, then like the best tomb from uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider, and then like the best set piece from Titanfall 2, like that game to me wouldn't be that exciting. It'd be interesting. Like, you know, it's like arcade mashup, best set pieces of, of all games. Of, of, but I like the idea of I'm on this through line and I like the way these games have high moments, low moments. They let you rest for a little bit. And I'm not role playing in the same way where I, you know, not creating a character. I'm on Nate's adventure or Lara's adventure or even Kratos's adventure. But I like the fact that I'm in those situations because of this character and because of the story it's telling. And I think to me, the arcade game, um, if if I'm hearing what you said correctly, kind of just these big moments and cool things that I get to do would feel cold and soulless without a fun narrative to pull me through. Yeah, I, I think the narrative certainly helps and I appreciate it at the time. But I think Titanfall 2 is a great example of a game that I think is one of my favorite first-person shooters ever. And I don't think I could tell you the name of the main character or really anything about them. I don't care. Like, it because of the places I got to go, the things I got to do, the things I got to see, the world that I got to explore in that game, and the fun stuff that I got to do, that, that's the story. <clears throat> maybe this is a better way to say it. The story that I love the most is the one that I tell myself about what I did. You know, I think that's maybe why I love Bethesda Studios role-playing games and stuff where, yeah, I'm getting cool story of the main quests and all the sub-quests that have stories and I'm invested in those stories. But it's much more interesting the, like, the day that I found the thing and and killed the great monster that came across my path and found a new way to infiltrate that tunnel. It's because of the – it's the story that I'm crafting and playing it. And I think that hmm. that – as much as I love Naughty Dog games and I love great narrative adventure games, the Tomb Raider reboot games, and I love all those games, but I think what I'm enjoying about them is where I get to go and not so much the tale of that character that I'm playing through. Anyway, that was a big tangent. It's yeah. interesting. 
Yeah, no, I like it. I think the other thing that I'll add to like those third player action, third person action games that I really like is I really enjoy that style of combat. And so, yeah. and I think that's kind of what pulls me out of some of the Bethesda games that even with the VAT system, um, I should say Bethesda Studios because not yeah. <laughs> I, I love Doom. Um, I find that combat a little uh, janky for my style of play, and I love yeah. those. I love that cover base, pop out, stealth, hybrid, third person action whether it be long range weapon or fisticuffs up close, I find very satisfying. Yeah. Well, I think all of that was for me to say that I don't think I have the same concerns that others may, even you with uh, Jedi fallen order, which is like, if the story is not a great star Wars story, I don't think it's going to take much away from that game because I'm going to get to do incredibly rad star Wars stuff. And I can tell that already. (laughs) Like I'm super excited to have, to slow down time, take a stormtrooper and move him in front of his own laser blast. Yeah, I'm going to do that. Uh, and then the stuff we saw at the Microsoft conference of like, you, you know, swamp at at. And I just I'm so confident that these guys are going to or this team is going to bring us uh, really interesting Star Wars locations and Star Wars flavor that will be, I think, enough for me to really enjoy this game. Yeah, I think I will as well, even if the story falls flat. Part of it is, I think, hopefully it's creating a dynamic story. And then part of it, I think, is inclusion. And I think just having another, and I could be wrong, but what it looks to be and is advertised so far as a very vanilla-looking Luke, Solo, Walker, Han thing is just like, you're a a universe of infinite races of alien and people. And there's all these more interesting things, in my opinion, to see wielding a lightsaber um, give me a suka any day, <laughs> you know, running right. around or any of these other characters. This just feels like, why Why do I need Luke Solo again? Yeah, no, I feel that. Um, so that was the big marquee game. At, well, I stopped watching after that. Was there more? I kind of did too. I mean, I know there was, <laughs> for big Apex Legends fans, there was new Apex Legends info, new Battlefield 5 info, new Star Wars Battlefront 2 info, new F- FIFA and Madden and sims i guess but i mean i kind of i kind of understand why they didn't have a full press conference this year because they had one new thing to show and everything else was like yeah we got some more content for all these franchises that everybody already knows and loves Uh, i don't know if there's anything in there that you want to hit on but it feels like ea is churning out their old faithfuls and then they've got this star wars thing that's really exciting that's coming out at the end of the year yeah, apparently there's a new Need for Speed still, and I think that's what was more I was more interested by are the things they didn't show. Like, yeah. I think EA's done a good job reaching out and working with indies, uh, or you know, giving those smaller. What was it? A tale of what was the game where it's like you played co-op and it was like you both played at the same time and it's kind of Isn't that a way game. out. Isn't that called a way yeah, out? Yeah, yeah, and that and unravel. And I'm, yeah. I'm a little bummed that they didn't give those types of games a nice you know world class showcase if they had them. Um, and my biggest question for EA is something that wasn't talked about at all, but I'm curious if or when this in the United States, this legislation regarding loot boxes and stuff impacts their cash cows that all are all that are all of their sports games and how that will impact them going forward. But I understand why that would not be a focus of an E3 press conference. Let's kick things off with E3 2019 (laughs) talking about Law. We're going to talk about the law. Oh man! Look, here's why our games will. Yeah, that's Christian Spicer like cheering, standing up in the back. Yeah, <laughs> law. 
Uh, all right, well, let's move on to the big dog, uh, which is Microsoft. No Sony press conference this year. Microsoft had the spotlight all to themselves for platform holders. I mean, obviously, Nintendo is going to be on Tuesday, but it feels like in the battle of Microsoft and Sony, which we talk about every year, who wins E3, Microsoft got got a, a freebie, got a freebie to have the center stage. And it seems like they definitely took advantage of it, at least in one respect, and that is all of the third-party games that were looking to be showcased on a big stage came to Microsoft because there was no Sony. There was no divvying up of the third parties that are going to be on both systems. Every year we have the like, well, which which of the big two is going to show this game mm-hmm. or that game? And, and it, it, it was all – there was only one show in town for that, um, <clears throat> which is notable about – some of the games that weren't shown, like Call of Duty, was not shown at Microsoft, uh, which is interesting. No Ubisoft titles were shown, uh, which is interesting as well. Ubisoft, of course, has their own press conference tomorrow, but uh, it's, it's interesting. But they did show, boy, a lot of games. Uh, 60, evidently, games. And I don't think we're going to be able to talk about everything, but let's try to step through uh, the show in order so we don't miss any big ones. Uh, the first game they showed was the new Obsidian big open world RPG called The Outer Worlds. Any quick take on that, Christian? Um, I think it continues to look fun and interesting. I don't think that this version of what they showed changed my perception of it based on what I had seen before. Um, I think it looks fun and interesting. It, it looks like a happy fallout yeah you know colorful fallout is what i called it it's got fallout if fallout had color yeah and and i'm I'm down for that i'm in i'm in i'm excited i should be i um seeing more of it later this week so hopefully there's more information coming about it but uh yeah i think it continues to look great and it looks like obsidian is doing what people know them for doing you know (laughs) it doesn't look like like, now we're making a flight sim right well then if you like flight sims just wait. Just wait. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then a new game, uh, Ninja Theories game, which actually had leaked earlier in the week, but got the full bring the developer out to introduce it treatment. Ninja Theory, of course, a brand new Microsoft Game Studios first party. Uh, and they introduced Bleeding Edge, which is sort of their Overwatch-esque brawler. Ninja Theory known for third-person action beat-em-ups like Devil May Cry. Uh, and... Bleeding Edge is going to try to bring that to a competitive multiplayer space. I have to say, uh, the neon post-apocalypse was so novel when I saw it the first two times. <laughs> Boy, uh, somebody got the same memo. Like, let's put pink in the post-apocalypse. Who? Now it just feels like the flavor of the month to me. I am so over that aesthetic so fast it, it, it went from wow that is so different and interesting to another post-apocalyptic looking neon game and that's a bummer because i think the concept here is pretty interesting what do you think yeah i don't think this game is for me when i look at third person action combat i don't want to be air juggled by some other player on the internet who's going to be a million times better than me for four hours you know like that's what i like about and this game the trailer didn't show a four-hour air juggle but when i think of that style of combat you know that's what i go to for those those games um and this looks like a 
an Overwatch meets Apex Legends in terms of kind of like character design, kind of hybrid. Um, I I think it looks polished. You know, the characters are all interesting and and have a, a sense of shape and weight and scale behind them where I think they're readily recognizable across the map and stuff like that. But do I picture myself spending any significant time with the game? No, not at yeah. all. Which is fine. It's just not for me. It, it just does not seem like a game for me in any way, shape, or form, unfortunately. I am similarly unexcited about it. Uh, it does look interesting. I'm curious to see more about how that common system works in a competitive environment. But for a company that has some games that I really loved, I mean, Heavenly Sword, I think, is so underrated uh, a game. And uh, Sinuous Sacrifice was so interesting and different. This just feels so me too in 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 so many ways it feels like a, a game that was green lighted at a time when overwatch was the biggest thing in the world and then it just took so long for them to make it that the whole industry has kind of moved on a little bit and i don't know uh i want this to be great but i am certainly it's not at the top of my anticipation list at, at all but the good news is we'll get it on game Pass. that's right, right? i mean we got to talk about that. We'll step through a lot of these games, but uh, we got to talk about that because I think really, honestly, that's the star of this press conference is this service that is going to be, I mean, I guess we're talking about it now. It is, Xbox Game Pass, I think, has moved into that place with Netflix and uh, Amazon Prime, <laughs> not even Prime streaming, but just Amazon Prime as a service where it's like, it doesn't make any sense not to buy it. It, it, it really, yeah. the value is so disproportionate you know 10 bucks a month to get the library of games if you have an xbox one it just makes no sense not to be a game pass subscriber it, there, there's so much great stuff there and it seems like they're promising so much more i yeah i think it's a home run game pass yeah i'm frantically trying to google because i had it in my brain when we started the show like all right came into my office maybe an hour ago and i can't think of it now and it's i think it was going to come to game pass as an id at xbox game and i thought it looked fascinating it was like a 2d uh not battletoads so it's not a brawler but it's like on a 2d plane it looked like the combat had weight behind it it looked kind of like how salt and sanctuary looked to kind of bring the from software style fighting to a 2d plane um and i cannot find the stinking name of this game but it was like flat colors and in one moment in the trailer they showed like this person like jumped off of like ran up and kicked off a huge boulder and flipped over the person they were fighting mm-hmm. and then they continued to do swords and spirit stuff. Looked... no i think it was three wow. words i'll keep looking and and i i feel bad that i don't know it but i'll, I'll look it up but it, it blew me away and i watched the full-length trailer um when i got home as well and i think to your point though more just like at this service being ultimate is becoming a better value also now at $15 a month with PC games, the PC lineup right now, not the best, but certainly far from the worst. And if you are an Xbox insider, uh, if you don't know this, I hope it's still happening while you are doing it. You can upgrade to ultimate for $1 and then any of the game pass months you have left or Xbox gold months you have left will automatically convert to ultimate for up to 36 dollars and it's like yeah. each of them for a for a dollar so i am now an xbox game pass ultimate subscriber for the next 20 months for a dollar yeah 
it's wild. great it's great i mean at that rate you may have a new console by then <laughs> new xbox console you know uh, yeah and then it's like outer worlds is good you know gears five it's pretty crazy um, i'm just thinking of these yeah it's it's incredible absolutely yeah. incredible i mean that to me you can say what you want about microsoft's press conference but what they're putting on the table as far as a value for a monthly subscription is extraordinary i mean we've talked about it on the show before and I just, I can't believe it. Um, and I, I know what's going to happen. They're going to hook everybody on it and then they're going to slowly raise the price. But for the, for now, <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. All right. right. So uh, I know you went gaga over Ori and the Will of the Wisps. We both did utterly gorgeous, artful trailer there. Uh, I don't know how much we need to talk about it, but great. 2020 surprised the pants off yeah. me. Yes, me too. February 11th, 2020. Uh, I was very shocked that, the game is going to, is that far out, but yeah. Uh, Minecraft dungeons was next, which is, looks like a Diablo in the Minecraft universe, which I guess if you're a Minecraft fanatic is cool. But for me, that just means Diablo with bad graphics. I guess what, what is the, what does Minecraft <laughs> bring to the table here other than the aesthetic, which is subpar. as far as I'm concerned, I don't know. Well, it, it brings a, a beloved franchise and characters that millions or billions of people have a strong affinity for and wear the t-shirts for yeah. already that. And it also brings a version of Diablo that my six-year-old can play. Right. Where That's I, I don't want her to be like, now I'm going to rape your children. Yeah. I'm like, oh, come on. Uh, 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 get some grapes. Yeah. Get some grapes for your children. <laughs> uh, uh. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And then we got uh, that Star Wars Jedi The Fallen Order we already talked about. And then... A really creepy horror trailer that yeah. looked super good until the last shot, which was the the title card, which said Blair Witch. And then I was like, what? I was surprised. I guess I like horror more. Like they straight up said Blair Witch when they said the forest they're going to. Well, also. Like that, I was I was very surprised that reveal, like the logo. People were like, what? And I was like. I, thought it was I mean, it was clear. interesting because clearly the person is videoing it uh, throughout. They constantly are pulling out a camcorder, which places it in a very specific time period. Uh, and it's interesting because, you know, that's the whole thing about Blair Witch, the camcorder. I think that's a cool hook for a video game is, is it your camcordering. Uh, and then that, that thing standing and looking at the wall, I was like, oh, my God, that's like the end of Blair Witch. And then it was like Blair Witch. And I went, oh, OK, which is it just surprises me that that IP still has enough weight to bear a triple A game but cool well i don't know if it is a triple a game not no disrespect to anyone working on it but like i don't think it's gears five yeah right um and i think the horror genre is as hot as ever and i think that camcorder i think kind of what they implied in it is that you're going to see some very interesting alternate views of reality like what is perception where like you look through the camcorder and you can see something and Otherwise, you don't, or you look back at the camcorder. I think it adds for some real cool, like, uh, you know, uh, insanity effects yeah. <laughs> to to quote Eternal Darkness. Um, I thought it looked really good. I, I think it looked terrifying. Um, <laughs> yes. I both want it in VR, and I will never oh, play it gosh. in VR. Yeah, but Oof. it looked it looked really interesting. Next up was I think one of the craziest moments at E three I've ever experienced. Uh, we saw Cyberpunk 2077 show us a CG cutscene, which seems so odd to me after last year showing an hour of 
pure gameplay to sort of feel like a step backwards into just a CG cutscene. This cutscene was cool, but I don't know, it's just very odd. But they, whatever damage they may have done to people's <laughs> expectations, they quickly uh, rebounded from by by showing Keanu Reeves in the in the game, and then trotting Keanu Reeves out on the stage. We were Christian and I were both sitting in the audience in the uh, Microsoft Theater at Nokia Live, and the I've certain I've been to E three for many many years. I've seen the surviving Beatles brought out on stage when they were doing Beatles Rock Band. I've seen Steven Spielberg brought out on stage. I've been in the room for that. I've seen Kobe Bryant brought out on stage. I've seen many celebrities brought out on stage uh, as a stunt at E3. I have never seen the reaction to a celebrity like Keanu Reeves got when he walked out on stage. It was people leapt to their feet. Like, sh- like they couldn't believe that Keanu Reeves was there. It was crazy. He was like a rock star. He couldn't even get his prepared speech out with people just shouting and cheering for him. Yeah. It's the, it was the, so I don't know how long this has been in the works. One, I think the reveal was really well done and totally out of left field, but fits the genre of the game where it's like some of those other reveals we, we kind of knew, right? Like Steven Spielberg, incredible, but like him coming out to announce boom block isn't <laughs> right, like, and, right. I'm, and I'm doing a story based narrative game set in the world of ET. And I'm, you know, it's very different. Yeah. Uh, but like and, Dwayne the Rock uh, Johnson has come out on stage. I mean, there's been big stars. But just coming out on, but just coming out on stage. I think it was the double whammy of the reveal done so well as that like stinger moment in the trailer. Yeah. And he, and like I said, he fits that world so well. And so like that was huge. And then to have him come out and he's writing a total career resurgence. And his career has never really gone away, so it doesn't need to be resurged because he's been you can say it. the a, hottest. Actor. It's a Keanuance. It's a Keanuance. Uh, and right now with always be my maybe and he's stealing you know scenes in that and john wick three and bill and ted three i mean he's at his a height he's always been at maintaining this height and then showing up there and he's got other viral clips going around that excellent uh late show interview he did like he is just doing everything right including i think his time on stage here he was both humble and silly yeah. Uh, acknowledged that he was kind of off a of prompter and had to get things out, but playful with the room. Yeah. Like I'm waiting for the hundreds of dead children in his closet moment. Cause otherwise, <laughs> you know, he is just capturing everybody's hearts and imaginations. Yeah. Yeah. It was a cool thing to be in the room for. I have to say uh, just the fact that like this eruption of standing ovation for him uh, I, I don't know. I was giggling and, and loving it. And he was like, you said, so charming and really the only big news about cyberpunk is that it's coming out April 16th, 2020, which is certainly earlier than I anticipated. And it feels to me like it is going to be the biggest, the last big game of this generation that it feels like they're coming out in April, right before those new consoles hit holiday 2020. They didn't want to come out holiday 2020 they're 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 sort of like the last signpost before the end of this generation officially yeah i um 2020 is expensive my friend you're not joking man (laughs) to be very expensive i thought a couple of consoles bro dude 
I thought the CG trailer looked good. It looked interesting. Um, again, I was, I've was i heard, I have no proof for this, but I've heard the game has seen a substantial reworking from what they showed last year. So maybe that's why they didn't do it. But there also are appointments this week for... Uh, uh, I got one. I'm excited. Yeah, so we will hear more about it. But it's I do think hour. it was interesting. Yeah. I do think it was interesting after last year of kind of talking about how you could be all these different people. Again, the protagonist, it, that seemed like the most basic version of Samurai they could have shown. Where like everyone else they showed in the game, I thought looked more interesting. Like his yeah. buddy who has an unfortunate day at the beginning, the people in the room he meets, John Wick. And he looked like... <laughs> He looked like a place. He, he looked like uh, a game I really liked. But he looked like the protagonist in Infamous One because hair is hard to render, <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, but that world looks both clean and dirty, and so much I, detail and all the costuming and stuff. It's cool. Yeah, I'm yeah. really curious how it runs on this gen. I'm really curious. Yeah, man. We'll find out. April sixteenth. I'm very very excited too. Uh, then uh, I mentioned Spirit Fairer. That was oh, the next game. Sorry, Go I ahead. found the name of the game. Yeah, it, it was before we lose the thread. It was part of the Indies. Oh, we've already it, lost the thread. But go ahead. Unto the end. Unto the end. Oh yeah. Unto the end. It looked really really cool. Go watch that full trailer if you haven't. If you missed it. Unto the end. I'm I'm very excited about it. I was super into Spirit Fairer. I love the aesthetic. Uh, looks like a really interesting kind of game. This is the game that had a moment where you hug. You like there's a you hug something. <laughs> so I'm like okay. Thank you for having at least one game in here that isn't murder everything on screen. Uh, so, yeah, I thought that was beautiful. Um, I'm sure you went crazy for Battletoads, which was next. No, surprisingly. I thought that would be all your jam, dude. It's retro, but new. It's a brawler. You love brawlers. What what, what went wrong? I couldn't tell from what they showed how well it, it, it looked. I don't know. Oddly flat to me. Like the art. It's didn't... supposed to be flat. I right? didn't blow me away. The art didn't blow me away. Wow. And I'm going to get some hate for this. I don't know if you've noticed this, but there's a reason why I've never talked about Battletoads when I talk about my love of brawlers. <laughs> I do. It is conspicuously mis- missing. I am. I am not uh, their biggest fan. It, I thought it was unreasonably difficult and it existed in a time when games were trying to figure out how not to be um, quarter stealers and to try to be something else. And I think it misplaced its difficulty spikes trying to do other things. So it's never been a franchise that I've held particular nostalgia for. Again, I'm going to get it because I have <laughs> game pass for the rest of my life. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's so crazy. It's so crazy that like that becomes a non-issue now. It's like, Oh, I don't know if I'm going to like this game. I'll play it because it's on. It's like Netflix now. It's yeah. yeah I, I mean, mean, I, I might watch it. Pay a, I did just pay a dollar today to have it for the next two years. Yeah. yeah, I guess I'll, you know, I might watch that new terrible Will Smith movie. It's on Netflix. Well, I'm already, it's already, I already have it. It's just a yeah. different, or a different paradigm. Uh, the next game is a game that just absolutely delighted me. RPG time, the legend of right. Wow. Does this look inventive and cool? All this paper craft, hand-drawn aesthetic. Uh, looks like a, like a fun action RPG but done as if you're looking at somebody's table and they drew it with pencils and made stuff out of paper clips and, you know, chewing gum. I more of this, please more inventive, different stuff on stages on this, on these big stages. Uh, you know, I love the next cool triple a thing, but man, these kinds of games, RPG time, the legend of right, these kinds of outside the box thinking, crazy plays with aesthetic i am 
down for that stuff. Yeah, it reminded me a lot of what I like about the Kirby. I got they're all named so similarly, but like the most recent Kirby game on Switch, I think it's yeah. beautiful and paper crafty or Tearaway, which will always hold a special place in my heart. It was such a beautiful game and the time in which I played it. And I think if this can have really cool gameplay, I wonder if this could be like the stealth, you know, long lost cousin to Paper Mario in a really mm. surprising way, kind of coming out, I think, very unexpected. And I hope people don't dismiss it because it, it seems kitty or whatever, but I thought it looked like it had a lot of potential. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Another 2020 game. Yeah. Uh, we already <laughs> talked about game pass, which they stopped and unveiled the ultimate version, which is, it just, it's just a great value. I'm glad they are including PC. Now they did a really cool thing this year, which I don't know if it was clear. If anybody listening was watching on the stream, I'm not sure if it was clear on the stream, but it was certainly clear live in the audience. They had a, a dedicated screen live. They had a, a giant screen where they were showing the trailers and stuff, but a dedicated screen in the bottom left that literally just showed what the game was going to be available on. If it was going to be available on Xbox and PC, and if it was going to be an Xbox game pass game. So they, Every time they showed a trailer, it was clear which games were Game Pass, which games were on on PC also, which games were exclusive. It was pretty cool, and I, I really respect the fact that they did that. Um, kind of a surprise, they're bringing back Microsoft Flight Simulator. Uh, that was interesting. Uh, and then Age of Empires 2 is getting a defin- definitive edition. Wasteland 3, a long-in-development game from InXile, which I guess Microsoft bought InXile now too, right? They're a first party. Also, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Wasteland 3, I think I kickstarted that game like four years ago. Um, so <laughs> well, I, you're going to get it. I so. think I'm going to get it on Game Pass. So I don't even know. <laughs> uh, and then oh, Yoshi. Yoshi's not Kirby. Sorry. My, but the also Yoshi Kirby. Papercraft game. Yeah, but also Kirby did it. Kirby too. did yeah. a Papercraft game first, actually, before Yoshi. So take that, Yoshi. Um, <laughs> and then they announced that they acquired Double Fine. Uh, Double Fine Dude. is going to be a Microsoft Xbox game studio uh first party and they showed more psychonauts too tim schaefer was his usual hilarious effortlessly hilarious self um so kudos to double fine i'm excited for them they, they put out great stuff and i'm excited for psychonauts too i'm curious what it does to fig not something that i've ever funded a game through but like they're being yeah. an investor in a game crowdfunding thing it, it seems to me like while i'm excited excuse me because i'm going to get all their games for a dollar now um i do feel like i'm curious if it just kind of their existence didn't make financial sense um and and that makes me maybe a little sad with you to see this acquisition you have to be one of these big huge studios then you can't kind of make these fun little games on your own and and find a financially viable way to do it i don't know i'm speculating but that was the only part of that that i was like oh double fine you were such a unique flower out there in the gaming landscape and now maybe you still will be but you got microsoft checks you know <laughs> right, right uh i'll skip ahead a little bit because i don't really care about dragon ball z personally i know i'll get hate mail about that but a game that just knocked my socks off and makes me made me sit up and take notice and instantly put it on my list to be checking in on is a game called 12 minutes which is this really striking top down game that looks like you're experiencing the same moment over and over in different ways. Same 12 minutes, it looks, that would be my guess. Probably true, yeah. Um, it's an indie publisher. It's an Annapurna. Annapurna, man, they pick such great games to publish. Boy, I pay attention to any game that's that's published by Annapurna. 
Um, yeah. And 12 Minutes just looks so unique and so original and so striking. And I was, I mean, talk about a game with narrative. I was like, what, what's going on with these people? Uh, cool. Um, Way of the Woods also looks really pretty. Uh, Anthony Tan's new game. Uh, we play as a deer following the light. Yeah, it looks beautiful. I'm not sure if I know, is it like Journey? I, I, I couldn't tell like if I thought the gameplay would be fun in it right. or not, but it, it looks striking and the music um, also was, was incredible. Yeah. Uh, and then Gears 5 started with this really, I think, um, you know, Gear, Gears has a history of using music and trailers to create mood. And it did something I've never seen a game do where, you know, I had a character just staring at the camera and then its head would separate into these different emotions and moods and I thought that was pretty neat. Uh, and then it went to a, some more CG. Uh, interesting that they didn't really show gameplay, gameplay for Gears 5. After. That's Tuesday. That's true. What I've heard. Oh, I see. We're going to see more on Tuesday. Okay. Well, uh, either way, Gears 5 is coming. And it's probably going to be... I mean, they talked about multiplayer. They talked about new modes. Uh, I'm pretty confident this game is going to be fun. You know, it's going to be fun. Uh, I yeah, and I think that that head motif, I, you know, just from what we saw, I, I'm wondering, like, is she the descendant of... And so this is to your point, or maybe... I don't know if it proves or disproves your point. Um, I I like story and I like narrative, but I can't tell you the names of half the characters in Rogue One, but I own it and I have two t-shirts from it. Um, <laughs> I, I, I like... I own every Gears game. Marcus Dom I don't know after that um right so to to that point I think it, it may be implied that this protagonist is maybe like the descendant of the blood queen in some way shape or form or something because she's I think that's her name that big bad isn't this supposed um, to be Dom's daughter but I don't know bond is blood and she's on the box art but she's dead um, yeah. As far as I knew, the, the blood, this is going to be one where I'm going to have a lot of fun blasting enemies and going to really cool places, but not <laughs> particularly going to pay attention to that stuff. I yeah, I, I hope the story is interesting. They certainly, in my opinion, have told interesting stories in the Gears universe. And I think the new multiplayer mode they showed, uh, Escape, or yeah, Escape, looked really interesting, and it, it looked kind of like pve with a little bit of you know battle royale circle closing right like the grenade goes off and you got to keep ahead of that smoke so you got to keep pushing forward is kind of what i took from the trailer where you can't turtle for too long the way i often do in gears games where it's like well this is the piece of cover i will sit at for the next 20 minutes (laughs) uh, the shoot locust towards that looked really interesting and uh that character at the end the dude with like the mutton chops when he, he like chainsaws through a, yeah. a guy at the end and like has this wicked smile as he does it. Dude. I like, I like <laughs> the, uh, the chainsaw made out of, it looks like teeth. Yeah. Like the, the bad guy chainsaw. Yeah. Pretty rad. Uh, comes out September 10th, which is my sister's birthday. And uh, I already bought it. So I'm happy. Yeah. It's on game pass. So I mean, <laughs> that's interesting. Did you notice this? that I thought was interesting. And this is where they said it. It had been rumored before. But they're doing a thing now where Ultimate, which I have for a dollar, uh, <laughs> like I'll get it four days early. Like they're yeah. they're tiering release among Game Pass as well, well. Ultimate is basically you're buying the Ultimate Edition of all the games. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I wonder if they're going to see if you're going to see more of that, and I wonder how annoying that will. Like right now, I'm like, yeah, I paid a dollar for two years. That's fine, but I could see that being 
annoying. Like Game Pass, you get all the games. But your game, kind of like how it became annoying, where it's like they'd have games would have uh, the screenshot. And it's like sixty dollars gets you the complete game. What's the complete game? A load screen <laughs> to get the full game. One hundred and twenty dollars. Yeah. Right. What's the full game? The first level. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, we'll see. I have a, a couple of questions for you now coming up uh, in the, in the lineup here. One is oh, and Terminator, Terminator. Oh, Thank Terminator. You, uh, hi, Ed. That was a bit of an LOL for me. I mean, it's goofy, but okay, sure. Yeah, right now. I don't think it's the franchise that particularly fits it the best. No, I mean, but, it feels like it's only going to be in multiplayer, so it's a goofy, fun skin. Who cares? I, I, do all, do whatever you want in multiplayer skins. I, I mean, that's fun. Yeah. But it's also kind of funny where they're like, with the biggest campaign and most serious story we've ever told. <laughs> also, you can play as this other thing. You know, it's it's a little, it's a little whatever. But uh, yeah, I don't care. Who cares? You know, that's okay. Fun. Yeah, we, we, we've jumped the shark. Let's just jump it all the way. Who cares? Yeah. Right. So now my question is: Are you throwing your elite controller in the garbage? Because there's an even more elite. You thought you were elite, but you weren't even elite. You were only half elite, and now there's another elite to be elite to elite to. You can't. Did you're I? You're not even elite. Did I hover over that pre-order? Yeah, 180 bucks. Did I pre-order? No, I did not pre-order. I, I think it looks great. I am not good enough to need it. <laughs> yeah, but you love um, your elite. I do. Yeah. It's my favorite controller. Yeah, you're gonna I love love it less because you know it's, it's not the elitist. <laughs> No, what it adds, what it add, what it adds to me doesn't add that big of a value add. The Bluetooth edition, so like you can be, you don't need the dongle to play with your PC. I think it could be nice for a lot of people. Or using it for Stadia could be nice for a lot of people. Um, my PC setup is where I'm sitting. My it's in here, in my office where I am right now. Where I, I it's not hard for me to wire my Elite controller to play. Um, and then like the different tensions for the analog sticks i think is really cool and like fun tech but i think i would spend more time playing with it than actually appreciating it being like ah let me try stiff now i still suck at Fortnite. <laughs> let me try medium well what do you know it'll suck <laughs> uh now my second but I, oh, go I, ahead. No, I like it I, I mean i think they've added all the right things uh, the only controversial thing i see is the rechargeable battery which it seems hours? like it's uh it's amazing it's a fifth it's a 50-50 camp, though. It's 40 hours, but in two years, you have a $180 controller that doesn't work. Yeah. Well, no, it's not removable? I don't think it is. Anyway. I think it's like an iPhone. So it's like pros and cons. Pros, but it looks looks great. And if I were, you know, I think paddles are very, you know, they're unfair yeah. <laughs> when you get good at them. So I'm excited to see them keep working on that. And I would love, would I have maybe pre-ordered it if they said it works with Scarlet? Maybe. <laughs> yeah that's interesting there's no reason why it can't but they probably won't they'll sell you the third elite version for that uh and then my other question for you as the forza guy forza lego bro what's your take it looks inc- it's inc- it's, i mean it's i was curious how they were going to top or equal hot wheels from right. Forza horizon 3 and what an awesome way to do it what this is the, the thing you would like dream version is well what could be better than hot wheels well the only thing that could be better than hot wheels is lego but there's no way that can happen yeah i don't think you build in it so it's not like doesn't quite utilize all of the awesome that lego could could do you know um but it looked it looked great smashing the bricks and the brick cars and i can't believe they brought a brick car out for it just sat in a dark corner 
Um, <laughs> it's crazy that somebody built a McLaren out of Lego, full size. Yeah, but I think it looks awesome. I, I do. Th- I'm hoping that it comes to Ultimate for free. <laughs> it comes. It comes out in four days. I know, and I want it to come to my Ultimate. And <laughs> I, it, for me, and I've talked about it, it is. It's like, do how much money do I spend on DLC for games that I don't own? You, who cares if you own it or not? Because there's a million other games on Game Pass that I could be. This is what Game Pass does to me, and things like it. And PlayStation Plus, I think, does to people too. Where it's like that looks awesome. I can wait. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there's a whole other bunch of stuff. Uh, I mean, we can't go through it. There's 60 games they showed. Um, Elden Ring is is the name of the George R. R. Martin game that From Software is doing. We we thought it was going to be called Great Rune. Everybody bummer would... of a leak. I think that would have set the world on fire. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it would have been a big deal. But it's weird how sure people were that it was called Great Rune, and it's actually called Elden Ring. Not much to be gleaned from this trailer. Although I guess yeah. Miyazaki is doing some designs on it, which is interesting. Um, yeah, not not much even to talk about because we don't know what it is. It's a game from From Software and George R. R. Martin, which is what we knew ahead of time. Now we know the title. Uh, and then they talked about, they ended the show basically saying, okay, it's time to talk about Project Scarlet, the next version of the Xbox. And they had this prepackaged interview with all these Microsoft developers and project That one managers. guy's beard. That one guy's beard won E3 as far as I'm concerned. Holy moly, that is <laughs> awesome. That is epic. I mean, if you get into the character creator screen, they don't even have anything like that. This guy is like better than the character creator screen. It's crazy. Um, anyway, the, the base, the package that they played touted weirdly the same thing that Sony was touting about PlayStation five, which is no loading times and, uh, faster SSD. It's like somebody got the same memo. I I guess this is just what the next step in technology is going to be. And everybody knows it. And so everybody's building their next console to use it. Or Microsoft saw what Sony announced and went, yeah, we can buy those too. We can, we have those. <laughs> um, so either way, no loading times is what the next gen is going to be about as far as Sony and Microsoft are talking about. And I'm, I'm here for it. I, yeah, let's reduce loading times. I'll wait for no loading. times. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's what it is. Uh, it's, we, it's a weird thing for everybody to be emphasizing, but I do think it will be a quality of life improvement for sure. As gamers, we're going to notice it. It's a weird thing to say, hey, spend $400 to save 12 seconds at a time. But I, I guess that's – it's going to be a big deal. I think it is going to be a big deal. It's just a weird bullet point to hit so hard. And really that's the only thing they talked about. I mean they mentioned that it's going to be out in holiday 2020, which I think isn't a huge surprise. But it's interesting that they planted their flag and we know that that's when it's happening. They're calling it Project Scarlet. In the same way that Xbox One was called Project Scorpio, Scorpio, Scorpion. What was it called? It was like the Scorpio. One X, I think, was Scorpio yeah. or something. But yes, uh, it doesn't have an official name yet because they're trying to figure out. I don't know what we're going to call it. Xbox. Yeah. This name's confusing. Right. <laughs> so there is a theory which states there was no way they could have explained more about this console now because it reveals their hand to Sony. In the same way that when they talked about Xbox One before PlayStation 4 was revealed, PlayStation 4 ate their lunch and said, oh, you 
don't want to be connected to the internet all the time and you want to share your right. games here, look, look at this is how we share games. And they handed a disc back and forth, which was a cheap shot. And it ended up, I think, being a real limiter for this whole generation as far as I'm concerned. But that's neither here nor there. So anyway, there's this theory which states that that's that's why we got very little info about what this version of the Xbox is actually going to be. Uh, they talked a little bit about X Cloud before that and how your Xbox One is going to be your own server and shoot games to whatever device you want, but they had very little details about that. Yeah, my gut on that is it's like, hey, you want to keep the box under your TV and not pay us a monthly fee? We're going to give you remote play, you know, like some some version of remote play, right? And whether or not, I, you know, remote play has been hit or miss for me personally. But on um, what? To what? Do I have, do we have to have a Microsoft Surface to get it? Do we can we do it to I my iPhone? No. I mean, do it, even what, remote controllers play, will work with it. Like I don't right. mention any of that stuff. Right, but even remote play now, it's not you know it's on a, any computer or Mac, iPhone, whatever for PlayStation. So I feel like it's that, but the, and then they'll have like the subscription version where you don't need a box that is more akin to Stadia. But yes, it felt oddly present but unspecific yeah, to me the way they talked about it. He, he mentioned the word free. It's you know said if you have an Xbox One, your Xbox One becomes a free server. Cool, but I, no details. Maybe over the course of this week, we'll find out more as interviews happen and Phil mm-hmm. talks to people and other people at Xbox talk to people. Maybe we'll get the FAC version of this. Uh, so, you know, maybe it's premature to say we didn't get any info at all, but it did feel a little rushed and a little sparse, uh, especially I thought we were going to get much more of a reveal about what the what the system was going to be, if there was going to be. A th- I thought we were going to get a date, like a hard know. like beta date or something. I think holiday it. 2020 is pretty i mean i think we're going to get a november something and we're going to find out i mean i think playstation 5 is going to be november something 2020 as well so it's going to be well, i meant for x cloud like oh yeah yeah you yeah. know you can get into it. we're starting with this game get into it blah 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 something yeah, like that yeah anyway um they closed the show with halo infinite saying as i think i predicted on our prediction show that halo infinite was going to be a new xbox launch title uh, oh, I thought you were saying that if that dad doesn't find his partner and kid, that game sucks. Oh man, it's cheap shit, right? Man. Like so, he, right away they're like, like my, saying things my actual son says right now. Yeah, and it really yeah. hurts me. It hurt me. I was like, this just, just that's not cool. And that dad's like, we got to go home. I got to find my kids. And Chief's like, we got to fight. I'd be like, no, my mother, father, no. My kids, though. What about my kids? Yeah. yeah. Uh, <sighs> anyway, cool trailer, very emotionally taught as the Halo trailers tend to be. They, you know, I would say 60% of the work is done with that music. My goodness, that music is so good. Always the Halo music, but it's like that, like when the new Star Wars trailer, which you haven't watched and I won't spoil for you. Uh, but it's like the same thing. Like, have you watched the new Star Wars trailer? It was amazing. Why? It played Star Wars music, yeah, you yeah, idiot. That Star Wars music started, and I immediately felt everything I've ever felt in my life. <laughs> yeah, that's all it needed. Yeah. That new Halo trailer was great. What was it? Oh, it was just me playing the Halo <laughs> soundtrack. Goes, oh, you're like, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it was. I was dissatisfied with not knowing anything about Halo Infinite, continuing not to know anything. I mean, it's cool. 
we have to wait a whole year and a half. I'm sure next E3 is going to be all about Halo Infinite and we'll be sick of hearing about it. But it would have been cool to understand a little more about what that game is and why it's special that it's going to be on the next console, what they're using the cloud to do with it, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, that's my Halo Infinite hot take. And, and you know, you and I, we have friends of this show and friends of actually our friends, real friends over at those. We have friends. I, we have, I, what, why? Why would you? Have, I got have friends. I got, I mean, they live in Canada and you can't meet them, but they're real. Um, good, they go to a different high school. But I, I really do have a fondness for a lot of the people that work over at 343. Um, I've also genuinely liked all of their games. Um, so take what I've got to say next with whatever grains of salt you want to take them with. Nothing from that trailer implied to me next-gen right. game. Like that could have said, that trailer could have ended with download it now on your Xbox One. And I would have been like, yeah, I can play that on Xbox One. Again, maybe it's all load times or enemy AI and, you know, all of those things that I say that I always want the next gen to really do, like inside, outside, um, all these right. flood enemies, whatever, whatever, whatever. But and I like, don't think it was trying to be spectacular. Uh, it, it was trying to hook you with narrative. Maybe Yes, but I mean, I I think visually it was of the least impressive trailers to my bare naked eyes watching it in that um, press conference. And that hasn't always been the case for halo trailers. Right. No, I agree. I think there was some cool lighting that happened, but yeah, the character models were not eye popping and, and wow. Yeah. Uh, it, it certainly didn't scream. Hey, you got to buy a new console to see this. Right. Yes. But, in, in no way am I saying it looked bad. Uh, right. I'm very excited to play it and I'll be playing it for a dollar. So again, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I guess probably not probably $700 cause the console, but, um, yeah. Dare you speculate what Scarlet will cost? Cause they did announce other stuff. I don't want to give it completely short shrift. They did say, I think it was up to 120, uh, frames. They did talk about, uh, all of the K's, uh, which I think was like yeah. alluding to Sony's 8k. They did say ray tracing baked into the hardware for the first time because of their yeah. partnership with AMD. This is all the stuff that next gen is going to be, right? We're going to be everything next gen is going to be, I think. Yeah. Uh, what I wanted to hear was what I'm thinking it's going to be, which is two versions where you get that big, beefy, crazy version and the other version where you're just streaming stuff for basically nothing hmm. off a hockey puck. Um, I'm curious if that's actually come to pa- going to come to pass uh, and come to Game Pass. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, you know, I, so all of those juicy bit, tidbits is what I thought we might hear about in advance because those are also just sort of conceptual points rather than nitty gritty deets. But I think they were holding that stuff close to the vest. Yeah. So, and the other question I have, I mean, the, the, the feedback that I got most about Microsoft as a whole is a lot of people in my mentions saying, Oh, all we saw were CG cutscenes." Yeah. Uh, I don't, I didn't get that feeling. I mean, I think the last few things, I think the Gears of War and Halo, which was sort of the the two big bullets in Microsoft's chamber, and were Cyberpunk both that. Cyberpunk and... And Cyberpunk, that's not a Microsoft call, right? Yeah. Um, uh, so I get that. But like we saw, I, there's, I could go down the list of all the games that we saw actual gameplay for, and there's a ton of them. Uh, I mean, I'm going backwards through the list here. Star Wars, uh, Way of the Woods. Yeah, Star Wars, 12 Minutes, uh, Star Wars Lego, Wasteland 3, Age of Empires 2, Flight Simulator. Uh, Lego. RPG Time, Legend of White, Battletoads, Spiritfarer. Um, 
a Blair Witch looked like it was actual gameplay. Yeah. Minecraft Dungeons had actual gameplay. Ori and the Will of the Wisp had actual gameplay. Bleeding Edge had actual ga- gameplay. Outer Worlds had actual gameplay. That's most of the games. That's yeah. most of the games. So I get that Halo didn't and Gears didn't and Cyberpunk didn't. But the weird reaction that I saw online of people are like, they didn't show any actual – I like actual gameplay. and They didn't show any of it. I don't know where people got that from. I mean, okay, Elden Ring was another that didn't show gameplay. But again, not a Microsoft call and a game that's way, way early. It's it's a bummer that that perception persisted because I felt like we got a ton of exciting gameplay shots, just maybe not the biggest, biggest hitters. Yeah, well, I think this was maybe the first, I mean... I don't know. I think people like to complain, to be perfectly honest. Um, and I think this year they didn't trot out anybody on stage to live play a game. You know, like we're going to put the controller in their hand and here they are. Yeah. They're going to play the new game from from software or whatever. Like none of that happened. But even when that happened, people would get mad at that and or take shots at that and be like, oh, scripted. They don't even play. So I, I don't know if there's pleasing the Internet um i think this press conference was incredible i think they showed games in almost every genre that seemed very exciting um i think 2020 is going to be i feel like a long wait (laughs) even though it's going to come very quickly but i I think while i would have personally liked more x cloud and scarlet specifications um i think this was a pretty incredible press conference that much like last year and i think maybe years before was hampered by a few select leaks making some big moments feel less than. Yeah. And that's the story every year now, evidently, because that's just the way it is. There are leaks <laughs> leading up to E3. Um, yeah. yeah. And and I don't know, maybe it, it, the whole thing feels diminished because there's no Sony competition in some weird way. You know, it's like, uh, it's like when Vince McMahon finally bought WCW, everybody's like, oh my gosh, the most amazing moment. And then the weeks after that, I was like, I kind of missed the competition, you know? Yeah. They're like, well, what is Sony going to bring to the table? We were all like, yeah. that's cool. All right. Let's move on to Bethesda, which is the evening uh, entry into the press conference. And Bethesda, really the only people, well, that's not true. Microsoft's was a real press conference, but this was also a real full on uh, classic style press press conference. Uh, and Sony's and old Sony's digs. old digs. Indeed. It was open and available. Uh, so what did we see? We saw, Elder Scrolls Blades on Switch. Yes, I'm down for that. I will not play it on my phone, but I will play it on Switch. And that game looks real good. And it's free. It's still free on even on Switch. Yeah. That's crazy. Did the same thing with Fallout Shelter. It's a nice little precedent they yes. established. Uh, so that's not coming till the fall, which is a bummer. I, I felt like that was going to be one of those where it's like, and it's available tonight, uh, which they did a couple yeah. of, but not for that one. Uh, they sort of did a mea culpa on Fallout 76 and tried to convince everybody that it's good now and that you should play it. And in fact, uh, it is uh, free. There's a free trial for everybody. So it's, they're trying to get people into it. And they're adding a lot of free stuff that, you know, I would say, wait, <laughs> wait yeah. for them to add it uh, to see if they actually add it with the history that that game had. But, it, you know, I, it was right to grief that game the way people did or to call out its honest shortcomings i wouldn't say it was even griefing but it seems like you know bethesda is trying to do right by it and make that game into something much more substantial and todd howard said we received a lot of well-deserved criticism that was his quote so 
Um, and they were honest about it. And it sounds like they're you know, trying to improve that game. Everybody who played it at launch, including me, said, you know, this game is just not ready to be put out yet. And so yeah. this is another one of those examples of a game that was put out and it's still developed as it's out. And hopefully people give it a second chance. And they're certainly doing everything they can to give it a second chance. I'm not. <laughs> I'm I moved on. But, uh, you know, it sounds like they have a passionate community and they're building cool stuff. So, yeah, uh, they announced a brand new IP, uh, which is from the Evil Within studio at Tango Gameworks called Ghostwire Tokyo. Uh, this sounds really cool, although I couldn't tell you what really is going on. <laughs> yeah. uh, a CG trailer that tells you absolutely nothing about what the game is going to be like, but it has, you know, dripping with with uh, style and, and tone. Uh, but just the idea of playing a game in Tokyo looks very, uh, you know, uh, cyberpunk in its own way. Uh, I don't know. I, I want to see more. I'm curious. It, it really was an interesting reveal in the sense that it didn't tell me anything about what this game is. Yeah. I mean, I, I started craving ramen. Um, oh, best I... CG noodles maybe ever. Yeah. Yeah, it was delicious looking, but I, I legitimately could not tell you what that game is. It, but I, I'm in for the tone that they're establishing, and I think it seems interesting. Yeah. A uh, lengthy presentation about Elder Scrolls Online, which I've actually just gotten back into. I haven't talked about it on the show yet, but Elsewhere has brought me back into that game after having played it last time in 2012, I believe. Uh, yeah, good for that about, game. Talk about a game that just is the little engine that could man talk about a game that came out kind of like fallout 76 did and just didn't land, didn't stick the landing when it was released and just stayed around and built an audience. And now it has a passionate, he said on, on stage uh, they have more players than they've ever had. And they added millions just in the last few months. Um, And elsewhere is a really cool expansion. I'll talk about it more on the show in the next few weeks, but uh, I'm back into that game too. It's they've, they've improved it vastly from when it was released <laughs> all those years ago. Uh, and then um, the biggest surprise for me of this whole, <laughs> this whole press conference, Commander Keen. Commander I was so excited Keen. when they said that. There's probably a large group of people listening to this episode who have never heard that name. But if you're old enough, <laughs> like us. I, or like Jeff, not me. Yeah, like me. Uh, I was reviewing too. video games. I was reviewing video games in 1991. I was very young. It was my first job. I wrote for a newspaper. I was reviewing video games in a weekly column called Kanata Online. Whew, what a day. It was before you there was... could not get online back then? You could not. I was with my 56K <laughs> modem. Anyway. And they paid uh, me an apple a day, and they said, good job, kid. Yeah, see? And I gave the original Commander Keen a 10 out of 10 in my column. Well-deserved. Well-deserved at the time. Why? Because you could not play. I, I, I'm going to say this again because I don't think people really understand. You could not play a 2D platforming game on PC that felt like Mario. There was yeah. nothing that felt it- like Mario. It invented technology to allow side-scrolling to happen on PCs. It did did not exist before Commander Keen. Commander Keen did the Mario-style platformer for the first time on PC in a capable way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I gave it a 10 because I was like, oh, I can't believe it. on my PC. I'm playing a game like Mario. 
Uh, yeah, so this is not that, this, but this is resurrecting that long-forgotten Commander Keen IP from 1991 uh, into, I guess, a mobile game? that Free-to-play like cool. mobile game. Yeah. So kudos for them bringing back this IP that I remember and loved. I don't know if I'm down for this particular thing, but uh, it definitely gave me a bolt of joy when I saw that name, Commander Keen. Wow. Uh, an IP that I never thought I'd see again. So Yeah, I agree. I'm excited for the IP, the game, what they showed of the gameplay. Looks like it's not for me, but again, it's free. So, I mean, I imagine quickly after you download it to make real progress, it's not free, right. but... Um, but who knows? Maybe next year at ne- next year's Bethesda press conference, they'll announce that it's coming to Switch. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Elder Scrolls Legends Rage Two is getting an expansion that has cheat codes. I guess kind of cool. Called Rise of the Ghosts. Uh, Wolfenstein's a couple of Wolfenstein games, including the VR game, which uh, we don't know which VR platforms is coming to. I think just I kept Steam. waiting for them to say Quest, 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 Quest. They quest. do not like Oculus, man. They have Why not? A feud with Oculus. You mean yeah. when they took that pot shot at them and said, "We brought VR to E3 first. Here yeah. it is. Screw you, Oculus." That, they that really moment? do not like Oculus, so I don't think that's going to happen. But I, I was hoping that it, that I was wrong and they were going to say for Quest as well. But they didn't say. It's probably just for Steam. Uh, yeah, the game looks cool. Um, Young Blood. They showed. A, <clears throat> excuse me, Young Blood. They showed a trailer for, and uh, I think you know more Wolfenstein's good. Looks like more Wolfenstein. I think it looked awesome, and I'm excited to see what co-op brings to the table i thought it was really cool the way they showed people attacking situations from other areas i think yeah. what they have done with that franchise i've been in for all of them they announced day and date for switch which i think is really cool as well um you know now i think it might have been announced for stadia i know that's not until november um but uh you know so maybe switch won't be my go-to way to play that game but typically as mortal kombat 11 can attest when that style, like a big AAA game comes day and date to Switch, I think that's cool. And I think id and Bethesda have proven their chops on the on the, the system. But I thought it looked really, really cool. And I think it's interesting because of all the games that are doing like Neon and whatever, here's a game set in the 80s and it doesn't look to be going over the top Neon. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? It, everything else is like in a barren desert wasteland. Yeah. Well, they Erasure is played all day. <laughs> that game, they already have that game. They just showed Rage right before that trailer. So I guess. They right. They already have it. Yeah. Uh, and then they showed a new IP from Arcane Leon. Uh, Deathloop looks really interesting. Uh, we don't really know exactly how the game plays. It's a first person shooter. Uh, they say it, it has the trademark arc- arcane style inventiveness in gameplay, but it looks like a couple of people. It looks like, um, what's that Brad Pitt, uh, Angelina Jolie movie where their husband and wife spies and they're Mr. And Mrs. Smith yeah. written by the same person who wrote uh, dark Phoenix. Kind of like, kind of like, it looks a little bit like that. It looks like these, this, this guy and this girl who are destined to keep murdering each other and then coming back and doing it over and over again. Uh, an interesting concept, certainly. Um, and I think one that works well with Arcane's strength of, you know, the their beautifully crafted levels yeah. and the way that you can approach things and take things down. So I think, you know, maybe this is the game that's right up your alley, Jeff, of just like creating these really cool moments over and over and over and over and over again, right? Yeah. It's just like, why create a narrative to connect all these cool set pieces? Here it is. Kill these 10 guards. Get to the 
you know, other assassin and kill him. And then you do that. And here's another level. Do that. And I thought the trailer was super stylish. I loved it. I thought it was gorgeous. I don't want to say that I don't care about narrative. I, I Like I said, I enjoy it as it's happening. Jeff hates narrative. Quote, never gonna, 6 9 2019 DLC. This little down, I know. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm into it, man. It's a it's a cool looking game. I want to see more. Uh, and then we got a really out of left field thing, which is, hey, we're Bethesda slash ID. We've been making technology that's changed gaming forever. Here's our next thing, and it's the streaming future. Except we're coming at it from a different perspective. We're not giving you hardware to stream. We're changing the game engines to stream, but also any game engine works with what we're doing. I was very for confused. a little bit of money. Yeah, it, <laughs> I mean, Orion. It, this felt like a presentation that should happen at GDC instead of E3. It feel, felt very weird. Like, hey, developers, here's a thing you yeah. can use. Um, instead of you know, it's to the benefit of the gamers, I think. But the whole idea is that it will optimize games for things like Stadia or Xbox streaming service and make the games more efficient in a streaming environment. And they showed Doom being streamed to a phone at 60 frames per second without losing any latency. But it's like they had just somebody playing it. And like, look how great it is. Like, I can't really tell. But okay. right, I go over the shoulder with the camera and hold the controller still, Sarah. Yeah. We're filming you. I mean, cool, um, I guess. This is Orion, they're calling it. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's very cool. Um, you know, anything that helps with facilitate the streaming future to more people i think is really interesting i also again my lawyer flag went up when they were like based on our patents our several patents yeah, <laughs> like yeah. they were very clear to be like uh this is ours but you know i think the engine wars is very much a thing now where you know what and what engine are you making your game on and how cheaply are these engines available to developers and now if there's i mean this could be bethesda or id's money printing device if it works the way they say it works and they really have patents for things it's like how many how many houses has the havocs engine bought (laughs) yeah well right like all the all those things you see at the beginning of the games that are like these middlewares or i don't know what they are but you know these patents that every game uses um this seems cool Yeah, i'm ready for the deep dive article or video about how this works because it just seems like yeah you just do this little zip zip and then you plug your the thing into it and all of a sudden 40 percent faster it's like how i want to understand yeah. i want to understand but um it is further proof that we're headed to the streaming future i mean they're literally creating engine plugins to make it better and i think the idea that in five years we're not all just in the netflix future is is pretty naive i think everything is going that way and with stuff like this where if if they're creating something that just plugs into any engine and makes it 40% less latent, you know, fast, then what does it matter? It won't matter. It really won't matter if if things all work the same, you know, just like it doesn't matter that you watch Netflix instead of watching it on a Blu-ray. Yeah. Uh, And they closed the show with Doom Eternal, which I guess makes sense because it's really the next big holiday game for them. Uh, It's going to come out on November 22nd. It looks like a barrel of fun. It looks and so fast, so fast. Really, what they're sh- what they seem to be emphasizing is is this game has a lot more platforming in mm. it than the last Doom. It seemed to me like old school type platforming of you know 
Mario style flame turrets that you have to leap over and, uh, you know, jumping on, you know, step steps and jumping on handholded, um, you know, like uh, parallel bars and things like a whip leash kind of thing. I mean, that was, they highlighted that a lot more last year, like pulling people close and using it to swing and whatever. But my gosh, I mean, it looks like they've take, they've taken, they took Doom 2016 and they somehow managed to turn that up to 11. Like that. This thing that was at 11, let's turn that to 11. Yeah. Like the ax that the demon that had like, has like the fire ax slammed it to the ground and, the fire radius that comes out from that. And that was, there were like, what, two of them on the screen at one time, plus all the regular little enemies that, you know, what 2016 did so well was that every time you fought a big enemy at the end of one level, you're like, whoo, thank God I never have to do that again. And the next level started with three of them. <laughs> and it looks like this is very much following that, that trend. It looks yeah. very exciting. It looks real fun. It looks real fun. I mean, overall, I think, what I glean from day one plus, you know, even back to Thursday is we're in this transition period and this year isn't going to have quite as many crazy go nuts uh, things to be excited for. There's a lot of emphasis on 2020 mm-hmm. and less emphasis on the latter half of 2019. Whereas I think the last few E3s, it's really been about like the things that are coming out at the end of that year. Yeah. Um, so maybe a, a potentially slightly underwhelming E3 overall. Uh, but man, 60 games at Microsoft. I was physically fatigued at the end of that press conference because I felt like, oh my, there's so many things to keep track of, so many things to be excited about, uh, so many games that looked really clever and unique and different that Microsoft showcased, which I appreciated, as well as the known quantities of the Gears of Wars and the, you know, Dying Light 2s and the things like that. We forgot to mention Borderlands 3 got a little extended time too uh, at Microsoft. Yeah. 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 Borderlands 3 is, again, known quantity that's going to be good. It's going to be fun. And I don't need to see literally another second of that game. Do you have it? No. Do you have it pulled up, Jeff? Do I have it what? It starts with the two and ends with the games? Oh. (laughs) I always have it pulled up. Christian, hang on. Let me pull it up. That is what we're looking at, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, that is the the E3 motto of the year. Too many games. Too many games. But they're all looking good. Lots of stuff to be excited about. Again, we're going to be back tomorrow with another episode. We're going to talk about Ubisoft, Square Enix. Or today, RSS, this is Monday, but there's another one the day. Whatever day you're, yeah. there's another one. There's another one. There's another, there's another, there's one. another one, yeah. And then we'll have a big wrap-up show at the end of the week as well uh, with all the stuff we got hands-on with and all the extra info. Nintendo. Nintendo doesn't fall neatly into our little plan, so it gets stuck at, at the end. But, but they also, we'll talk about it. to our credit, I feel like their first direct is often great, but then they also will have like three more bombshells like Thursday yeah. at 9 p.m. And you're like, what the heck, Nintendo? Yeah, their treehouses are part of their whole presentation, so it's... It's better to wait anyway. Yeah. But but stick around, you know, keep us subscribed, keep keep looking at your uh, your podcast feeder of choice and and we'll be around to tell you more about our experience with E3. It's a big exciting week. I hope you've enjoyed our first little taste of it, our first special episode. Uh, Christian Spicer, wanna do any plugs as we roll out of this episode? I don't know what's uh, I feel like I'm still an E3 stupor. Twitter at Spicer, 
Uh, I stream these shows, uh, DLC on my Twitch, twitch.tv slash Christian Spicer. Um, I'm sure I have some shows coming up, but I, you know how sometimes you're just so laser focused on a thing, Jeff? Oh, yeah. That's that's all. It's it's E3. And of course, because it's E3, it's 90 in L.A. Um, Man, brutal today. Brutal today. It was like brutal. 70 last week. It's 70 next week. And it was like 95 today. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, it's I got E3 I got nothing. Curse. Yeah, we were roasting, roasting uh, and we'll be all week. Uh, I'm doing the slash film cast still this week. We're going to talk about the new season of black mirror. So if you've been watching that tune in, it's at slash filmcast.com or wherever you get podcasts. And I'm also still doing the dungeon run and having so much fun doing it. I really appreciated all the positive comments about that show. It's a, it's a passion and a labor of love. Uh, We're creating something. We're creating a storyline that you can follow along with and you can participate in. If you tune in live on Wednesday nights, dungeon runs, dungeons and dragons show. It's a story I'm making up as the dungeon master. And uh, I really hope you give it a shot. You can find it on YouTube or by uh, downloading it as an audio podcast. If you prefer that way, anywhere you get audio podcasts, the dungeon run. But if you want to tune in live Wednesday nights at 6 PM Pacific time on caffeine.tv slash the dungeon run, you can actually impact the story as you're, as you're watching it, you can communicate with the players. You can uh, influence the story live. Uh, So check that out. And again, we'll be back tomorrow and later on. Enjoy E3. We'll leave you as the hype train keeps on rolling down the tracks. Chugga, 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 chugga.